everybody. Welcome back to Defenders Dialogue with Carr and Adam. I'm Adam Phillips, president of Untold Stories Marketing. And with me is... Carr D'Angelo, owner of Earth 2 Comics in Sherman Oaks and Northridge, California. Hooray. Yeah. And we're here today for episode 25. Wow. I know, right? And I'm calling this one The Fast and the Nick Furious. <laughs> Can't have that. I think if I did anything, it was going to be it's it's Zodiac Town, Jake, or something like that. Oh, nice. I, you know, I was trying to come up with something with Zodiac, and I didn't quite manage. We're going to be talking about Defenders 48 and 49. These are some real interesting issues. But before we get into that, we've got some notes. I've got one very quick little note, and then a couple that are deep dives that I'm sure we'll both want to talk about. So I'll start with the little bitty note. You ready? Sure. Star Wars number one, Marvel Comics, went on sale April 12th, 1977. Remember last time we were, like, guessing uh, at it? Oh, right. So two issues basically came out before the movie, if it was monthly. Yes, right. That's about six weeks before the movie appeared in theaters. You're correct. The second thing is medium dive, which is a few more thoughts I had about the end of the um, Elf with the Gun storyline. And it touches on... Wait, it's over? Well, unless it's, unless it does, unless it's not, it's over for now. Okay. It's possible that somebody will come back in 100 issues and go, oh, wait, we forgot to tell you. There's more. What if it's like in issue 150, which I've never read, you know, suddenly they decide they have to bring back the elf to wrap it up? It's possible. You never know. You never know. Anyway, we talked about Michael O'Donoghue briefly. Yes. Oh, right, because we're talking about Phoebe Zeitgeist. It occurred to me that Michael Donahue in the early 70s, before Saturday Night Live, was a writer, of course, for National Lampoon. And one of his best-known pieces, it's been anthologized all over the place, is called How to Write Good. (laughs) It is sort of a how-to from the point of view of, like, somebody who considers himself an expert, a how-to for people who want to write and how to write better, or good, I guess you should say. And um, I'm just going to read this to you, and then you can tell me what you think, Carr, because it's broken down into lessons. Here's lesson two, part of it, anyway. Lesson two, the ending. This is word for word. All too often, the budding author finds that his tale has run its course, and yet he sees no way to satisfactorily end it, or, in literary parlance, wrap it up. (laughs) Observe how easily I resolve this problem. Suddenly, everyone was run over by a truck. The end. I think they stole the end, the elf ending from Michael O'Donoghue because that was like a famous piece of writing at the time. I would put that in in David Anthony Crass' wheelhouse, certainly. Yeah, I mean, because him and Roger Slifer plotted that issue, even though John, John Vor, uh, not John Verperton, John, um, but that had a different scripter. Oh, John Warner. John Warner was John the actual Warner, script. who created Bloodstone. Want to talk about yeah. Bloodstone? <laughs> No, 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 no. Not today. Not today. Third base. (laughs) So, yeah, I think uh, it's very possible that they just remembered that Michael O'Donoghue bit and uh, stole from it because it's like they didn't know how to get out of that story either since it really wasn't much of a story. Yeah, that sounds like something that would have come up at the diner, you know. Well, why don't we Uh just do what Michael O'Donoghue said and... and, uh... Have, have him over the trash truck. <laughs> anyway, it makes me happy because uh, yes. I, I love good find. Yeah, 
So there you go. That's what I had to say about that. Now let's talk about this Scorpio fellow. Scorpio, I, I just did like a deep dive into early days of Scorpio and the Zodiac because it's so weird. Scorpio first shows up, Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number one, right? And it's a weird issue, as always, because Sranko wrote it. And it's mostly, you know, he's like doing graphics and cool effects and things like that. And Yeah, there's a great uh, double page spread of Nick Fury yeah. and Scorpio, and he's got that key. And it's just like, but... Yeah, but is there any reference to him being Jake in that issue? No, no, no. So I'm coming to this because okay. in this issue there is nothing, and and it's a, like Scorpio is trying to take down Shield and kill Nick Fury, and at the end of the issue he gets blown up in an escaping vehicle, a jet or something, you know, sort of a jet, and Nick Fury and Val are kind of wandering away, going, well, "There's one thing we may never know. What's that?" Who was Scorpio? Well, I think the title of the issue is Who is Scorpio? Who is Scorpio, right. It's exactly. Which, by the way, starts a tradition sort of with Scorpio stories. They're all The titles are all questions. <laughs> and it had that weird subplot of the guy who is going broke as a comedian in San Francisco. And then he gets mixed up with the bag man who's picking up like thousands, thousands of dollars. But the guy who's doing the handoff with of the money act, actually gives him a briefcase full of explosives so that guy gets killed right uh, because the comedian and also there's this crazy nick fury in the desert let's test out this suit and see if it protects you from ultra lethal weaponry and it does and then he's just sort of like lying in the desert waiting for it to be picked up and then he realizes he's got to get out of here because there's a missile coming and he runs like a crazy person to get over to a like a jet on a rail. And then the next page, he's just a two the two page spread where he's smashing through a wall on a motorcycle. It's like it's so disjointed. It's so crazy. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first appearance of Scorpio. Second appearance is in issue five, and there's hints. Of things because at the beginning of the story Nick is talking about me and my brother were the best night stickball players on Yancey Street Yancey Street and he talks about his mother a little bit and so it's like hinting about his brother and then I, I'm convinced that Stranko might have been considering staying longer on S.H.I.E.L.D. now because of that hint which doesn't really go anywhere and then at the end of the issue you know, Scorpio's been disguised as Nick Fury. He's running away down a hall. Actual Nick Fury is chasing him. Nick Fury catches up with Scorpio, sees him, and says, You! And then the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are all shooting at him and at Scorpio, and he dives out a window and into the uh, river. Yikes. Yeah. So, again, and that issue was called Whatever Happened to Scorpio. There you go. It is a theme. Right. Then Avengers 72 is the next appearance. And this is Roy Thomas writing it, of course. So I'd be someone drawing it. And it's called, Did You Hear the One About Scorpio? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that one. So in this one, in this one, this is where it expands from just Scorpio to the whole Zodiac. And it, this story made no sense to me, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit anyway. 
Dum Dum Dugan is calling the Avengers and saying, we need your help to find this guy, Scorpio. We can't get Nick Fury to deal with it because he's choke dead. Cap can't believe it. Rick Jones is there and he's talking to Captain Marvel. I think this is right around the time that he became, you know, alter egos with Captain Marvel, so to speak. And then Scorpio like cuts into the Avengers um, monitors and said, says, ha ha ha. I can't capture all these military leaders and you're next pure evil. And then um, the monitor explodes. The Avengers all get knocked out and Scorpio has captured them. And this is a little more detail than I was going to go into, but there's a reason because then Scorpio is saying how now I finally, you know, I've got witnesses, 11 of them. And he opens a big door and the whole Zodiac is revealed and Scorpio says, is talking to them and says, I'm, I hope I'm back in your good graces again. So we, we never find out what he did wrong, but he did something wrong and he was out on the outs with the whole Zodiac and Aries is saying, you have erased the disgrace caused by your first two failures. So maybe that's the two Nick Fury issues where uh, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. issues where you can kill Nick Fury. Right. It, it doesn't really spell it out. Anyway, the Avengers... Some, there's some sort of sabotage. The Avengers escape the stasis field that they were being held in. And then Scorpio hits Ares and Captain America looks around and sees that Scorpio is pulling off his mask to reveal that he's actually Nick Fury. Okay. So it's like, we, it's so confusing. We never really get like, why did he capture the Avengers in the first place? Except to get the Zodiac to reveal themselves, I guess. And, you know, where what happened to Scorpio anyway? We didn't really hear that either. But there's a flashback to the end of Shield, of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number five, where Fury is saying that he didn't just say you. He said, you, Jake, my own brother. <laughs> so Roy Thomas kind of <laughs> retrofitted, you know, that relationship, which I am convinced Steranko must have mentioned to him that he was going to reveal. Right, it was just that obsession that 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 uh, Roy had at the time of always trying to. If there's a if there's a dangling plot point, I'm going to tie it up into a neat yeah. little bow. Right, and this has a this issue has a real poignant ending because Rick Jones has helped the Avengers a lot, and Captain America asks if he wants to be partners, and Rick is all excited and then says, "No, I guess I I can't be partners with you because I have other things going on." And you see the floating head of Captain Marvel. Anyway, so there's that one. Okay, then the next appearance of Scorpio is Avengers 82, but this is mostly the Zodiac in general. And by this time, Scorpio really isn't, like, doesn't have his own thing going on anymore. He's not a breakout member of, not really, no. of the Zodiac. Right. And what's interesting, although, is that for the three, four, five issues before issue 82, there's a supporting character, Cornelius Van Lunt, who's a sort of all-around crooked developer and slumlord. And eventually, we get to Avengers 120, which is the beginning of a really great three-part episode uh, story with the Zodiac. And Cornelius Van Lunt is revealed to be Taurus, the new leader of the Zodiac. And is, and is Scorpio prominent in that in any way? Not at all. Okay. He's just become, you know, one of the crowd. So that's that's what... That's what I dug up. Well, no, that that's good because it kind of fits in with my perception at the time. Uh-huh. You know where we met. We, I mean, we well, we, you know, comes out here about 
or came out, I guess, even in the the in the prologue issue, but right. it still it seemed it was new territory. I mean, it didn't seem like it was a retread. I mean, obviously, that's somewhere been established, but it did not seem like this character had an endless, deep history of stories about them. Yes, for sure. You know, so that which I think kind of made it interesting because sometimes you'd come into a Marvel story and feel like I'm never going to catch up because there's there's so much history, but this. Scorpio kind of had just enough, you know, uh-huh. one panel of Nick Fury going, Hey, that's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Come uh, back. Yeah. And as we're going to see in this, in this issue or 49, I can't remember which one, there's a lot of references to other appearances of Scorpio and other members of the Zodiac, like in Iron Man and Daredevil and somewhere else. I can't remember. Right. Anyway, that's all I had. Did you want to add to the Scorpio part of the story? No, I just did. I mention I, I am a Scorpio. Yes, I, think I said that last time. Happy and birthday! Because, and it's because his name's on the first page. The one thing I have to add because th- this hasn't come up, and I I don't know if you know I saw Shang Chi this week. Oh yeah, it's fun, right? And it prompted me to do something which I hadn't seen yet, which is Return of the King, the Marvel one shot. Oh, uh huh. I don't know if you've seen it with the you know, kind of it's a short about um, the Ben Kingsley character yeah, from yeah, Iron, Iron Man three, yeah. and and he's being interviewed by a journalist it seems and he uh, and and it's one of my favorite actors uh, Scoot McNary I think I like him because of his name but when he introduces <laughs> himself he introduces himself as Jackson Norris oh I didn't notice that oh my goodness and I thought that was interesting that's fabulous. It doesn't yeah. what his character doesn't necessarily really fit in with what with Jack Norris, but no, I, hear I felt it was some sort of it was some sort of nod. And and, and that, yeah. that made me happy. Yeah. You know, that's like I'm watching. I think I've told you I'm watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now and I'm halfway through the second season and Bobby Morse shows up. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like she's going to be Mockingbird, but it's still cool. Well, it's that whole, yeah, we're not necessarily, and she was Bobby Morse, like Carol Danvers, she was Bobby Morse for a while before she was Mockingbird. Yep. I think originally appearing in like Astonishing Tales 5 or Amazing Adventures 5, I forget which which one. What what was the feature? Um, Even a good question. I don't know, maybe it was with, um, with, it was the, maybe it was the Black Widow feature and that would have been Amazing Adventures. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know where... I, I just know because I've been again, but I've been getting a bunch of these bronze early, you know, seventies era Marvels and stuff. I can't keep Astonishing Tales and Amazing Adventures straight. Sure. I know there's like Inhumans and Black Widow are the cover features in one of them. The other one has Kazar and right. Inhumans, and then Doctor Doom and stuff like that. So I yep. think it's Amazing Adventures with, and it might be the it's more likely the Black Widow storyline because I think she is presented as some sort of agent. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. She it's also but and she was, wasn't she also played by uh um Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman for uh a 20 minute presentation or pilot if she was I'm not aware of it it, it wasn't the actress um boy a lot of, we, we usually save these di- <laughs> distractions till later but now we're uh-huh. front loading everything wait a second <laughs> I I honestly did not notice who played Adrian Pilecki uh Bobby oh, okay. Morse actress. Let's see what that says. Adrian Palicki. And yeah, she okay. was, I think, when they did Pants Wonder Woman TV show that never got on the air. 
I think, oh, I never I saw think that, that. That, was, that, that was her. Wow. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah, there she is. There's a picture of her in, in Wonder Woman's pants. <laughs> Get out of my pants. Hey, since we were just talking about Kazar, I always call him Kazar. I don't know why. Kazar? Kazar? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I think there would be a really good all-in-one epic collection of Kazar stories from including like Marvel superheroes and Astonishing Tales and his solo series from the early 70s. Come on, Marvel. We need this book. And even, well, they, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I think something would have to happen media wise for them to go, we're doing a Kazar omnibus. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, certainly, and I don't know if there's been a, I don't know how they're doing some of that. I mean, they'll get around probably to doing some of that bronze stuff, but it is kind of interesting because would they do a astonishing, I mean, they've done a Deathlock omnibus. Sure. I don't think, I don't think, the, or not an omnibus, they've done a, um, you know, Deathlock. There's done a couple uh, of, there's masterworks. a Masterworks, yep. And I think it may be a paperback. But honestly, does anybody really want? And and when they do, I think they've done in humans, you know, omnibus, and that will include the Fantastic Four. You know, it'll start with the Fantastic Four stuff and the Astonishing Tales stuff before, like the George Perez series in the seventies as well. So I think those things do collect pieces of that. But yeah, you, there's uh-huh. there's a lot of those like lost backups and things. I think they have a Doctor Doom omnibus coming out. Um, oh really? That that's gonna and so it'll have that Wally Wood stuff. Douglas Wolk's gonna lose his mind. Oh, he is. He is. <laughs> Radio Free Latveria. Yay. Okay, so we're starting with Defenders 48 today. Yes. June cover date went on sale March 15th, 1977. And it has another cover by uh, Ed Hannigan and uh, Joe Sinnott. Okay. And it's a fun cover, I think. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. The Defenders are sort of floating in space... Uh, and getting sucked into a giant version of the Zodiac Key. That's what that thing's called. And the Defenders, in this case, are the Hulk, Nightwing, Valkyrie, and Moon Knight. And there's a whole bunch of, like, curvy dots in space in the background. And behind that is a big floating head and hand of Scorpio. And the hand is holding another Zodiac Key. <laughs> Yeah, that's the only that's the only design element that I find like. Well, just stick with one. What was what was the one with? Uh, yeah, that was the that guy one. holding the scales. Where the guy holding yep. is holding the scales is also it's on true. the scales. <laughs> Fifteen or sixteen yeah. with alpha one. Alpha one. <laughs> yeah, and the um, only text in this cover says "Real big." What is the secret of Scorpio? Question mark. We'll we'll have to find out. It's a cool cover though. I like it. Yes. This issue is actually called. First, it says, Who Remembers Scorpio? Part one, Sinister Savior. Sinister Savior. <laughs> Sounds like a song. Yeah. Or an action figure, you know. <laughs> Sinister yeah. Savior. Yeah, <laughs> right. So let's see. Um, this is issues written by Dave Kraft. Finally, no training wheels for him. He's writing it solo. And he's also the colorist on this issue, oddly. The artwork is by Keith Giffen and Dan Green. So this is the first time we have had a Keith Giffen issue not inked by Klaus Janssen. And um, it still looks very good, but it is not as slick as the other issues have been. Yeah, so we start out with a splash page where Scorpio is sitting in a big sort of soft chair. It looks kind of dilapidated, if you ask me. 
Then he's got like a pack of cigarettes and a can of beer on the floor. And he's talking to Nick Fury. He's also and, got his Scorpio tail just like hanging over his knee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a few weird things like he's got his his helmet or his mask or whatever it is off, but the bottom half of his face is still colored orange, right? And the top half is colored, you know, pink. So it's it's a little odd. And he's talking to Nick Fury, who's sort of in the foreground in the shadows, about how his previous attempt to find Kyle Richmond ended in a disappointment. It didn't go well. Instead, I had to fight these defenders, whoever they are. And then you didn't capture Jack Norris like you were supposed to. And Fury says, well, at least I tagged him with that blamed bug. It's going to be a lot of Nick Fury-isms in this story. Dead blam it. Dead gum it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gold bricks. <laughs> and then it's a very chatty opening couple of pages where Scorpio gets up and he starts pacing up and down and talking about, you know, even though you're my bro- brother, you don't patronize me. And, you know, I'm, I, this all hurts my pride. And I've been an outcast all my life. And, you know, I've got all this power, but I've got ridiculous absurdities like a key that won't transport me through metal and the ability to transform myself into water. What's that all about? <laughs> and was was the metal thing, was that a problem in getting away last time or something? I mean, is he just throwing it out there? I think he's just throwing it out there because I sure didn't notice it. But I, I could be wrong. And then he finally says, like, almost at the uh, bottom of the second page, tell me, am I raving? And Nick, Nick Fury <laughs> says, not without good reason. And then he continues talking about how, like, you know, the problem is the economy. And how, you know, people are trapped into going to school and getting a, a job and going to war. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. You got a lot of problems and a lot of beefs. Then page three, he's still going on and on about how my master plan and uh, I'll, I'll succeed. It's a lot of words about just building up his own ego so he can capture Jack Norris and attack the defenders and get revenge and get me some beer, would you? For some reason, there's a lot of talk about beer in this issue, too. Yep. Right. It's it's such an odd mix of things. Not to spoil it, but there's a big beer run coming up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so then we cut over to the Avengers Mansion where Valkyrie and Hellcat... Well, no, first of all... I oh, mean, please go ahead. Yeah, while, while we're here, before we cut away. I mean, you know... I, we talked about this when David Anthony Kraft passed, because this is this is what I remember, you know, about this story, which is taking on these issues of malaise. I mean, I guess is like a fancy word for it and depression. Sure. I mean, but you've got this this this, you know, 50 something year old supervillain who's just kind of like he's depressed. I mean, he's just like I've, everything I do is a failure. You know, he's got his brother with him trying. Oh, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. And right. he just but he resists at every turn and he's just going, Oh, you know, and obviously he's a bit of an alcoholic too, with the obsession with, Oh, he's got to have a beer. Yes. And by the way, thank you for pointing out the 52 years old thing. Cause I did mean to mention that because it comes up several times. Yes. He's feeling his age. Yeah. Again, it's, it's part of being with Nick Fury. He's kind of locked into it because of the, the, you know, at this point it's, it's mid, mid to late seventies, you know, 77 or what have you. Yes. So, 
we're getting to that point where World War II connections start straining at the various fictional universes. Yes. But at this point in time, Nick Fury obviously had a major career in World War II. I think Ben Grimm and Reed Richards, who met Nick Fury during World War II, are still um, claimed to have been in service then. And, uh, you know, and they've kind of given, uh, there was a, the one shot that gave yes. um, Nick Fury his, 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 the infinity formula that gave Thank you. him I his longevity. It. And that, you know, Stan Lee purportedly hated that story. Oh, really? Yeah. Probably because he felt old. <laughs> oh, I'm as old as Nick Fury and you got to give him, you got to give yeah. him a special formula because otherwise he'd be an old man. Right. What's that noise? Oh, can you hear that? That's my cat purring. <laughs> I thought maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, it, it, it took 25 episodes for one of the cats to stay in the room and then want to want to join me. That's hilarious. All right. Is it how disturbing is it? It's kind of adorable. <laughs> it's, it's Oscar, everybody. Oh, hi, Oscar. Yeah, he he go he gets into overdrive at a certain point. <laughs> We cut back to Avengers Mansion where the Defenders, well, anyway, it's Valkyrie, Hellcat, Jack Norris, Moon Knight, who isn't really a Defender yet. And uh, not on the, he's on the cover instead of Hellcat, but he's not in the, in the, he's not in the opening box. Well, I only say that because so far his only, his only interaction with them has been helping Jack Norris. Yes. And then showing up, but you know, he hasn't really done like a Defenders thing yet per se. Right. He's still a loner. (laughs) He's a loner, a rebel. They're in the rubble of Avengers Mansion, where where it got kind of destroyed, halfway destroyed last time in the big battle with Wonder Man and Hellcat. And Valkyrie and Jack are having kind of an argument because she's saying, Colonel Furious assured us he, he means you no harm. And he's saying, you can't turn me over to them. I already told them everything I know. It's, and Hellcat's saying, of course, Hellcat, being the ex of a, a military man, is saying, you know, there's got to be important information in your subconscious, and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s going to dig it out. Don't worry. They won't use a big spoon or anything. So, you know, she takes the side of the military-industrial complex. <laughs> yes. Buzz, right? Buzz Baxter. Buzz Baxter, yeah. Colonel Buzz <laughs> Jack's getting more and more annoyed because, like, nobody's really backing him up in terms of protecting him from S.H.I.E.L.D., including his his sort of ex-wife. And uh, they get kind of stuck in that argument again for a moment because, um, you know, he expects her to have a little more compassion for him. And, of course, she doesn't really have any feelings for him and refuses to indulge in them because, you know, she's a woman <laughs> lawyer. So. They didn't take over your wife's body intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> Cut me some slack. Right. So then... Jack kind of walks out of the building with Nick Fury because he just feels like, I guess, he just doesn't have any way to get out of this. Nobody's going to helping him escape S.H.I.E.L.D., so he's going to just go with them, I guess, and see what they want. Nick Fury greets him and takes him to, over to his car, puts handcuffs on him, and Jack says, "They didn't. why are you putting handcuffs on me? They didn't do that last time. Well, those guys should have. Uh, Moon Knight says... To himself, it's time for me to go. I'm a loner, so uh, he disappears. <laughs> That's where I got that. <laughs> I just, he doesn't actually say that, but I just like the idea of him constantly saying I'm a loner. And the car with Jack and Nick Fury drives away, and Fury's 
<laughs> Fury saying like, why are we driving so crazy? And Fury explains like, we're, we're behind schedule and we, cause I had to stop for beer. And Jack's like, what a beer stop? Are you planning to get me drunk? Is this like that scene in North by Northwest? Uh, <laughs> and then Jack says, why are we going through the Lincoln tunnel? We're going to New Jersey. And Fury just tells him to shut up. And Jack's like going, oh, man, I'm in trouble here. I was going to say, because you mentioned, you know, Dan Green is the inker. And Dan Green's a solid inker. But but I get the feeling. I mean, I don't think uh, he ever inked Kirby, Dan Green. And he I did. Think, did he? Yeah. Where? I actually remember I was saying I was reading that Captain America on the bus that was all the Kirby issues. Like the second to last issue is inked by Dan Green. I couldn't believe it. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd be I'd be curious to compare it to this because I felt like he's you know because it would have been around the same time right because that yep. began at the bicentennial. Yeah, it's very close to the same time. So okay, that's interesting because I was curious how you know because um, it feels like he's you know well then there's also a little bit of he's you know Giffen's kind of mixing the Steranko with the Kirby um, you know and it just it, it's it's a little light it's a little yeah inconsistent in, 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 in places, but, um, you know, it's, it's a serviceable job, but it's not, it's not the best inker for Giffen. Maybe not, but I thought what's interesting and we'll come back to this as we go along, but the next few issues have other inkers who are also associated with Kirby, not that Dan Green is, but I mean, those guys are, and they really let the Kirbyisms in Giffen's art come through. Yes, and maybe that's what, the, and maybe you know what, that may be the the, the process they were going through because because obviously Klaus Jansen is so was was even though some of that influence would come out, he's a more dominating anchor. Yes, for sure. Cool. It's interesting. I don't know. I, I find it interesting. If nothing else, I remember at the, when it, these issues were coming out, I was I was really intrigued by this because like even though Rich Buckler, everyone said drew like Kirby, I never thought he drew that much like Kirby. But this looks a lot more like Kirby, but seen through a filter of, you know, those sort of uh, Stranko and maybe a little Neil Adams even sometimes kind of layout concepts. Yeah, I mean, and I kind of figured more, I think, with the next issue, I think when certain inkers take over, you know, but, you know, you're seeing the Kirby influence. But all I remember also thinking, though, at the same time, I guess Captain America was the primary thing that Kirby was doing that and you know some of the other weirder you know Marvel stuff he did whether 2001 it wasn't you know the, the mainstream he wasn't really doing I guess except for Captain America the the main you know my Kirby that I first started seeing Commandy you know was that kind of um, mm, yeah because I, I saw the DC Kirby before I saw all the, the the Marvel Kirby from the 60s right right but yeah, no. But but I but I knew what was going on, and it was like, oh, this is interesting. It was more interesting to me than some of what Kirby was doing, which is the weird thing, because it had that extra design element to it. Yeah, and also I think some of the story elements here were a little more accessible than, you know, trying to plunge well, yes. into the Eternals or whatever. I love the Eternals, though. Yeah, that I, I, I do too. But I'm just saying, like, we know the Hulk really well. We don't need to kind of wrap our heads around what right. his motivations might be. Whereas yeah. the Eternals, I'm reading the Eternals right now, you know, Kirby introduces about a hundred characters and five issues. And you're just like, who are all these people? And they're not that differentiated. A lot of them. And, you know, it's hard to keep straight. Like who's what, whereas, you know, you see the Hulk and you just go, okay, that's the Hulk. I know. Yeah. No, this is, and this is a great sequence. I mean, this is a great few panels with the Hulk too. So yes, I, exactly. Speaking of which the, here's the Hulk. And just a couple of panels where he's sort of 
wandering the woods as often is the case for him. And he's thinking to himself how tired he is of always fighting, tired of the puny humans. He's even tired of his friends. Gee, <laughs> I, and I love this. Every day is the same. Hulk hit, Hulk smash. <laughs> Hulk does nothing else. Hulk is bored with hitting and smashing. He's thinking all this. Hulk will sleep, do something else tomorrow. Something fun. <laughs> That's great. And it raises your question again, because if he goes to sleep, doesn't he become Bruce Branner? Well, there is that. And also, it's like, what is Hulk's idea of fun, you know? And and <laughs> and that Hulk is bored with hitting and smashing thing kind of echoes some of what, you know, Scorpio was just going on about a couple of pages ago about being caught in that treadmill of of having to do what you're what's expected of you hulk in rut <laughs> yeah exactly gets on so, 915 train every day <laughs> uh, <laughs> reads newspaper yeah <laughs> so as this is happening hellcat and valkyrie are on aragorn flying overhead again and valkyrie saying i have no idea what you're talking about and Oh, right, because, sorry, the word balloon order is not great here. That Actually, Hellcat's talking first and saying how the Aragorn reminds her of the old mobile gasoline winged horse. And she's that's where Valkyrie's saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. Hellcat starts explaining it, and Valkyrie's like, I don't need to hear this. And um, I guess she's feeling a little unhappy about how things went down with Jack and um, but you know as the page ends um, Hellcat says I just want you to know I know what you're going through which is true she's an actual divorced person yeah I mean you know it, it's funny reading it this time I was also asking is she because I think Buzz Baxter was supposed to be a bit you know of an abuser yes I don't know physical but certainly emotional I don't rem uh, remember all the backstory but I also wonder it, it seems that that hellcat since she doesn't really know jack in the way we know jack might have also seen that scene as like a, a toxic you know i think i, I almost feel yeah, like she also has to think about separation but also right. like yeah you know toxic relationships can be tough yeah yeah, yeah. i might be reading a lot into it but well i mean 2021 eyes so anyway they arrive at the writing academy and find Kyle Richmond awake. And Valkyrie says, why are you still awake, Kyle? And he's explaining how, well, I had a date and I didn't go. And why? I don't know. Because, oh, right. He was getting ready to go. Splashing himself with Windjammer cologne. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets a call and it's somebody demanding a ransom because Scorpio has kidnapped Jack Norris. And now Valkyrie gets really upset about this, mostly because she let Jack go with Nick Fury and was deceived. And, you know, that pisses her off. So Kyle explains that he's supposed to get $500,000 from the bank tomorrow as soon as it opens. And he was at least, you know, able to convince Scorpio that Nighthawk should be allowed to deliver the ransom. And he says, since Scorpio still doesn't know that Nighthawk and Kyle are one of the same, maybe we can pull a fast one of our own. Or maybe we can't, he says. He's not feeling very confident about all this. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he was, he was, he's been trying to, he's been trying to go out on a date for a few issues now, it feels like. Yeah, that's true. Well, look, last issue spent most of the story in a bathtub, so. 
<laughs> and here he's still in the robe. <laughs> you know, a nice quick shower. You would have been out the door like that. <laughs> there you go. But waiting for the, yeah. No, but, and he also makes a great point, which is like, did you guys even ask for any ID or anything? A guy shows up, <laughs> says he's Nick. Have you guys met Nick Fury before? I mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. All you have to do is get a few bl- dad blasts out of him and you'll know. Right. So now we cut back to New Jersey and the like chemical industrial complex area, I guess it is, where you know, Scorpio has his little headquarters stashed away and he welcome he's welcoming Jack Norris and, you know, sort of explaining how you've been a pawn in, in all this stuff and everything going on. We're about to make history. And Nick Fury, meanwhile, just kind of wanders off to do something. He's quite tireless. One of a kind, you might say, Scorpio says. Hmm. And Jack says, you know, how do, he's basically annoyed and disappointed with Nick Fury. Another Congressman Hayes. He just hasn't been caught yet. I have no idea who Congressman Hayes is. Oh, you don't remember Congressman Hayes? No. Oh, there's a, a story then. Okay. I think he's the one. It was the, the dancer had a um, had an interesting name, but he was like caught with some sort of. Well, unless he's talking about either. No, not the Hayes Commission. Congressman Hayes. No, no, no. Okay. Well, I don't know. Hmm. Wayne Hayes, is it, does he, is it Hayes, H-A-Y-S or E-S? H-A-Y-E-S. Oh, that's not the one I'm thinking of. But there, because there was Wayne, Wayne Hayes. Huh. All right, we'll have to look it up for next time. Yeah, we can, we'll, we'll cut to next week's notes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Scorpio kind of leads Jack, still in handcuffs, to the kitchen um, it says, you know, I don't have much in here, but, you know, I got some beer. You want a beer? There's one can cold of Schlitz left. <laughs> and Jack's like, yeah, no, thanks. What? And he keeps trying to push this beer on him. It's so odd. Hey, you hate to drink alone. Yeah, yeah, right. But at, anyway, Scorpio's sort of pontificating about, you know, his plans for world design and things never work out the way you want them to. And Oh, that's Jack, actually. Sorry. But, you know, at the end of the page, Scorpio is saying, tread carefully. You're like everyone else talking before you know what you're talking about. Tread carefully. I'm 52 years old. This is my How last chance. How old is chance. he? <laughs> 52. Is that where Dan got the idea? Probably. <laughs> you know where the idea came from, right? No. Oh, it's He's not listening. Can you say that? <laughs> Yes, I can say it because it's not that interesting anyway. But like the financial people at Warner Brothers in D.C. basically did all this analysis and said that based on the average you know, circulation of various titles, 52 comics is about the right amount to, you know, optimize the profits. Oh, OK. Oh, for for the new 52. OK, no, but I also yes. meant for 50, but 52, the series preceded that, which is was was 52. Weeks. Oh, well, that's true, too. I guess. Yeah. But it all it all comes together. Yeah, man, I love. It was a lucky number. I loved that weekly series. Yeah, yeah, it was so much fun. Great. Okay, so there we come to this two page spread, which is pretty awesome. Very Kirby. This is real Kirby ass, to tell you the truth. Where Scorpio pushes a button, I guess walls pull back or something, and then Jack sees this crazy like platforms and 
tubes and and each tube has a different zodiac sign on it chambers so, yeah chambers if you will yeah oh zodiac chamber he calls it oh and that's where i got it from <laughs> yeah 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 and it took me seven years to build it and basically he is cloning like his own full zodiac team and it's dazzling this is actually really quite something and then we cut away from that Wait, but did you did you include the the quote? Sip your beer, Jack. It's getting warm and flat. <laughs> nothing worse than flat beer, is there? There really isn't. <laughs> I mean, and again, as a, I wasn't, you know, I think I probably had my first beer by this point. But it was, it was again, it really made you feel that you were reading a grown up comic that they were talking about drinking beer so much. Um, yeah, I guess I too probably had a beer or two by then. Then we cut to a rooftop where Moon Knight is moon knighting it up and um he goes into a skylight and like into this building and it he's trying to you know oh he he says he would he had uh trailed they say trailed nick fury through traffic and got to this building and then he's trying to help jack i guess but an alarm goes off and we see that Scorpio is hearing that, you know, somebody's here to help Jack. And who could it be? Who followed you? And and there's supposed to have been a fake floor to trap Moon Knight. So, like, when he landed on it, he fell right through. Yeah. That's a weird kind of trap. It is. It's a weird kind of trap. And it's the kind of thing, like, nobody would actually set up for someone. Right. Because you wouldn't expect anyone. But whatever. And he's anyway, uh Scorpio's berating Nick Fury about it. And you let you know, you were careless, you let someone follow you, and Jack says, Didn't you say you were being too hard on him earlier and or harsh on him? And Scorpio goes, Harsh, I'm not harsh enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's he's a little uh off balance, to say the least. And they go, see, let's see who we've caught. And they look down into this pit thing. And it's oh, it's Scorpio and Jack looking down in this pit and seeing Moon Knight is you know stuck in this this thing that he can't get out of. And then there's a really funny panel in the middle of this page where it's like a cutaway diagram of the pit. Oh yeah, with Moon Knight standing at the bottom of it and Jack and Scorpio like on the floor above it. It's like a schematic practically, you know. Yeah, it's not the Baxter <laughs> Building, guys. Yeah, right. And so Scorpio says, here, hope you don't mind warm beer. It's all we've got left. And he throws him a beer. <laughs> and you better drink it fast because this pit you're in is going to flood with water in a minute. I'm going to close the top of it, flood it with water. You're going to die. And Jack says, stop, you're killing him. But Scorpio does not seem to care. <laughs> There's yeah, just a lot, of, a lot of walking and talking in this issue. Oh yeah, but I mean, again, it's I, I, you know, again, I love Jack Norris, I love Scorpio, I love that they're hanging out and talking about all this weighty stuff. It is weighty um, for sure. You know, Jack is trying to, you know, I mean, Jack's not scared of Scorpio. He's going, "What are you doing? Why are you killing, you know, Moon Knight?" Yes. And Keith Giffen seems to have made a choice to. I mean, obviously, he wasn't going to be able to redesign Moon Knight or something in an issue, but he seems to make this choice as often as he can. He draws him with the cowl down oh yeah so you see like in this moment now it's sort of like yeah i'm not skulking around so i don't really need my cowl i really need to sort of see everything around me yeah that's true 
which is, you know, brings up one of those great questions that I've always had in the back of my mind, which is like when, you know, you're wearing a mask that covers your face so much, how's your peripheral vision? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff we overlook when we read superhero comics. We accept certain uh, tropes. Yeah. So Scorpio goes, oh, I'm tired. It's been a long day. <laughs> and Jack's like, there's a guy dying back there. You want to go to sleep? And Scorpio's like, Jack, you're going to have to sleep on the floor. I've shown you plenty of courtesies. I'm not giving up my bed. And Jack doesn't says, like, I don't care. You know, you're drowning my friend or drowning Moon Knight. And Nick Fury comes up and offers him a blanket. And Nick Jack's like, yeah, you're even worse. I thought you were a hero. You're sicker than Scorpio. Scorpio also likes music, by the way. We haven't even mentioned that yet. Yes. Earlier, he was listening to Edgar Varese, and now he's going to listen to Billy Holiday, spelled wrong, and Judy Garland. <laughs> spelled right. Spelled right, yes. And then we cut to Dawn the next day, and Kyle Richmond is getting up and determined to kind of get on with his day and make things work. This is a really weird moment where he like he banishes, it says Kyle, banishes his lonely fantasies and then looks in on Hellcat and Valkyrie who are both still sleeping and uh, Kyle, it, this is a caption, Kyle stands in the darkness and looks at Hellcat and the lonely fantasies stir momentarily and then, you know, he has um, a moment of looking at Valkyrie and things about her. By the way, they're both sleeping in their costumes. <laughs> Well, with Kyle around, I think you got to be careful, you know. Yeah, and I don't blame them. So then Kyle walks out the front door, still cluttered with newspapers. <laughs> yes, that made, that made me laugh. Considering how dark and emotional this whole story is, that little touch of oh, by the way, the newspapers yes. are still all over the porch. Then we cut to back to Scorpio headquarters, where um, once again Scorpio is yelling at Nick Fury because. Moon Knight has gotten out of his uh, out of the trap. There's like all that's left in that tube is a little water and the empty beer can. Classy. That's what Jack says. Yep. There's the kind of class you don't see every day. I, I don't know what that makes that click. Classy, but something does. And then we see Kyle Richmond coming out of the bank with the briefcase full of $500,000 in small bills. And a lonely day ahead. And um, he drives off, and then he, the panel, it's like two little panels together. One is a straight shot of Kyle behind the steering wheel in his car, and then almost the same exact position of Kyle flying with his you know fists out in front of him. So it's sort of parallel. And he he's going to High Point, New Jersey, which, did you know what High Point, New Jersey is the highest point in New Jersey? Oh. It's actually another like running joke around here because one time when we so we lived in New Jersey for anyone who doesn't know that with my you know all all through my children's uh, childhoods they're young adults now and once we decided to go to High Point for the day and see what it was like and it was not very impressive because Jer New Jersey is pretty flat it was so anyway it that's become sort of a running joke around here it's like you know when you go to see something you hope will be exciting and it's not very impressive. Right. You know, it's like going to High Point, New Jersey. I mean, it's nice and everything, but it's just like, okay, it's sort of a big hill. Is that tower really there? 
Yes. Although it didn't look quite, uh, you know, as straight up and down as this, as I recall. So that's where the drop-off is happening for um, the half a million dollars. And Scorpio standing on top of this sort of tower thing at High Point, New Jersey. And there's no doubt you've come alone, as instructed, um, he says. And Kyle's sort of flying around with the briefcase, with the money, and explaining how I'm really not that excited to see uh, Jack Norris again. But first we had to pay to get rid of him. Now we're going to pay to bring him back. <laughs> kind of like any of this. And I hate it costs that. more to get him back than to get rid of him. I know. I thought that was great. Where is he? And Scorpio says, money first. So Kyle throws, I guess it's not a briefcase. It's more of a backpack kind of thing. Throws a satchel. It, a satchel, if you will, yes. Throws it real hard at Scorpio. And Scorpio's kind of lording it over him. Great sound effect at the end of this page as the bag hits Scorpio. It says, why cart? <laughs> yep. A good one. That's really silly. And then Scorpio, what is he falling here or something? I don't know. But they're floating or float. Yeah, it's a little hard to say what's going on here, except that he's like descending from the the tower and says, Nighthawk, you are as nothing to me. Even the Hellcat is more impressive. Maybe I won't even release Jack Norris. And Kyle says, Maybe I'm gonna force you to release him. How about that? And Scorpio says that he, he likes Moon Knight better, too. So <laughs> I have special plans for you, Nighthawk. I mean, Kyle Richmond. What? Yeah, that's pretty much what Nighthawk says. And it's like, yeah, you know, it wasn't terribly hard to figure out. Obviously. <laughs> no, it really isn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I I went somewhere to meet Kyle Richmond and you showed up. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> He uses the Zodiac key to teleport the two of them away. Away! And then the next issue blurb. Moon Knight's mystery mission. The reluctant rampage of the Hulk. All this. And Hellcat's coffee catastrophe, too. And then there's a tiny little note that says, special thanks for a last-minute script assist to Dauntless Don McGregor. You know, I might have guessed Don McGregor had something to do with this issue because it was so verbose. Very wordy. Wordy indeed. The, um... Nothing super duper exciting on the letters page. I'll give the letters page report. Um, Bob <laughs> Rody sends oh, a letter, him. and he's always a major name you'd see a lot on these pages. Yes. Yeah, I, I've met him a bunch of times. And I think he wrote comics, too, later in the... He wrote a pretty terrific series called Codename Knockout for, D, oh, for yeah. Vertigo. Yeah. And definitely some Marvel stuff, too. Just, like, bits, you know, miniseries and things. I think it's Robert Rohde, too, more often than not. Yes, and he's written some novels. Yeah, and mostly they're talking about issue 45 and nothing particular this, you know, to say. I mean, okay. wrapping up the Red Raja saga and all that. Yes. Okay, so now we're moving on to Defenders 49. July cover date went on sale April 19th, 1977, covered by Al Milgram. Well, there you go. Yeah. And... Let's see on this cover. Jacoya? No, or Dan? No, I think I I believe he inked it himself. Vessels and inks. It's sort of the like Midtown Manhattan scene. The Hulk is trying to smash Valkyrie, who's sort of jumping out of the way, and he's hitting the ground. He's holding 
with it, that's his left hand. With his right hand, he's holding Hellcat way up in the air like he's going to throw her. And then from the other side, Moon Knight is jumping down at him. And there's a lot of traffic behind them and gawkers gawking. And uh, a red sky crisis on Defenders <laughs> Earth. Red's a popular cover for color for Defenders Earth. Oh, sure. Earth. Yeah. And the Hulk is saying, this is a word balloon cover, which we don't haven't gotten a lot of lately. The Hulk is saying, leave Hulk alone or get smashed like bugs. And uh, Moon Knight says, whatever the cost, we've got to make him follow us or a Defender dies. So bum, bum, bum. And I don't think Moon Knight talks a lot on his covers. I mean, when you think about like the Sienkiewicz no, series, they're all very moody kind of covers. Yeah. Well, the Defenders covers mostly, I mean, I hardly can think of the last time we've had word balloons on a cover, but, you know, Tapping Tommy. Um, but the Defenders covers have mostly relied on captions, and this one has no captions but three word balloons. Right. So there you go. So this story is called Rampage. Who Remembers Scorpio, part two. It is written and colored by Dave Kraft again. And the art this time is by Keith Giffen and Mike Royer. A very rare Mike Royer inking job that's not over Jack Kirby. Yeah, and that was clearly like, you know, whether it's an Archie Goodwin decision, but certainly that's a big decision to say, if if he's doing this Kirby look, we're just going to go for it. Because, yeah, Mike Mike Royer, again, I think was doing, I mean, a lot of the Marvel stuff. I think he, yep. was, right, he was on Eternals and a lot of Commandy. Um, now, it's interesting you point out Archie Goodwin because Goodwin was the consulting editor on most of that material, like the Eternals that I'm reading now. Um, Archie Goodwin is listed as consulting editor. So he was probably talking to Royer on a regular basis and maybe said, you know, either he said to Royer, Hey, you want to write ink something else for a change? Or, right. or Royer may have said, Hey, I need a little extra dough. Can do you have a job for me? You got any Kirby homage stuff? In there? As a matter of fact, I got just the thing. Yeah, it, it's probably more likely that Archie thought of it for him. Um, considering how Kirby esque this is getting. So, I mean, it's almost hard to imagine what it would look like inked by Jansen because the curviness of it is getting more pronounced, I think. Yeah, and especially especially what what gets brought out in terms of the buildings. I mean, this this first page yeah. is you know, um, Moon Knight sort of flying, gliding toward the camera, and it is so, you know, so Kirby, um, you know, and and it just and buildings behind him that are just the kinds of things you'd see in a in a Fantastic Four issue. Yeah, very much so. Um, and Moon Knight is thinking how I've got to find the Defenders fast. Otherwise, it may be too late to save Jack Norris, which is pretty funny because, generally speaking, I don't think anyone on the Defenders really likes Jack Norris much. Like, who likes Jack Norris in this group, right? Like, nobody. I think Dr. Strange. <laughs> yeah, he's not in the group. <laughs> so you're saying, like, Jack Norris is like the Colin Robinson of the Defenders? <laughs> He really is. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's annoyed everybody pretty much. I guess so. In one way or another. That's what makes him great. I know. Anyway, so Moon Knight's kind of wandering around the city, leaping, jumping, swinging, etc., going, I don't even know how to find the Defenders. I don't know where the, their headquarters is, if they even have a headquarters. 
I've hardly got any information on them in my official file or whatever. He's he's not on the he's not on the uh, the, the the phone list or what was the no the um the newsletter the newsletter yeah I I guess not and he's thinking you know I really got to move because you know if Nick Fury's involved then he's backed by Shield so Jackson major trouble and then there's a big panel at the bottom of the page where we see Nighthawk is trussed up in like a big sort of mechanical contraption that's crackling with energy and shackling his hands and feet so he can't get out. He's talking to Jack, who's right there, going, why is it that whenever I try to help you, Jack Norris, I always live to regret it? <laughs> and Jack's like, I didn't do anything, man. You know, what do you want from me? It's all Scorpio's doing. And Scorpio says, I, I thought it was obvious because, you know, my astrological forecast said I was going to confront you at the writing academy and I did I wasn't expecting you, but I figured out it was you, blah, blah, blah. I spent seven years in seclusion studying the stars and devoting myself solely to my secret project. And I, I mentioned that because you were talking about how they keep bringing up his uh, age. They've also, this is the second time they've, in two issues that he said it took him seven years to do everything he's that he's done right which kind of which which also i mean well he gets into his own history so we can track it that way but it kind of means some of the story he's he can't be then in some of the stories that you're talking about uh right he may may not be that scorpio well yes he's about to say that he's not the original scorpio there was another one before me another who defied my brother colonel nick fury so this is so confusing, but there's a flashback here that has a lot of references to stuff we were talking about earlier. Oh, wait, so he's saying he wasn't the first one? He says, I am not the no, original. he's not the one in Scorpio. He's not the one in Nick Fury number one. That only makes sense if he's the one who's in number one. Okay. I know, but the footnote here says, first of all, he say, literally says, there was another who defied my brother, Colonel yes. Nick Fury. Then the footnote says, see S.H.I.E.L.D. number one for details if you want to double check Scorpio's story. So what Kraft is doing is redoing a, here's what happened, and then here's the part you didn't see. Yes. I think they're basically saying that at the end of S.H.I.E.L.D. number one, in that explosion, he didn't just do the typical supervillain, I escaped by some crazy way. He's saying, that guy died and I took his place by issue five of S.H.I.E.L.D. I just happened (laughs) to be standing there. Yes. I just happened to be standing there when you finished fighting my brother, who I didn't even know you were fighting. (laughs) And I took the, the Scorpio key and it gave me the power to become the new Scorpio. And I almost succeeded in engineering my brother's death. But Nick got his hands on the key, then used it to impersonate Scorpio and infiltrate the, the Zodiac. That was in Avengers 72, like I was saying. Right. And then, you know, they sort of explained how there were duplicate keys in Iron Man and Daredevil. And then another one in Ghost Rider number seven. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, and I love, just duplicate keys. Well, aren't they like keys? You know, at what point? <laughs> <laughs> right, they took them to the hardware store and made a duplicate. Exactly. They they forgot to put do not duplicate on the Scorpio, <laughs> on the Zodiac yes. key. I always thought that was a foolproof system. If we put do not duplicate on the key, no one will ever duplicate it. If uh, only that were so. Right. So anyway... At the end of one of these stories, it doesn't even really make it very clear which one, but the duplicate key fell from the sky, landed, hit a like a homeless person on a, on the head. He took the key to a pawn shop and 
got a little money, went to a bar, bought some beer, and then Jack, I mean, Jack Scorpio, Jake, was at the bar, overheard the story, couldn't believe his good luck, went to the uh, the pawn shop and got the uh, Zodiac key himself for next to nothing. For a song. For a song. I don't and know what song. That song was Over the Rainbow. No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So he is in, I mean, this is so convoluted and silly. But can I go back and ask, I mean, I haven't looked at these stories. I don't know if you remember, but in those stories that it's referring to, are these justifications for those duplicate keys? Or did aliens literally make another key in the Iron Man story? And did did Satan really say, oh, I made another key in that story? Do we know? Um, I'll find out. I'll find out. I don't know. I've definitely read those Iron Man stories. I think I've read the Ghost Rider. I don't think I've read the Daredevil, except for maybe like once in high school. Because I usually take, I mean, this is more to talk about the idea of a footnote. I usually, I take what a footnote says more literally, uh-huh. that it's actually what happened in a story. Not that right. it's a a retro explanation for something that happened in a story. Yeah, yeah. I know, this is like explaining stuff that Nobody's going to remember. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of it, but you know, the, the most recent one of those might be Ghost Rider. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, all it's raining. All I know is it's raining Zodiac keys. <laughs> yeah, it is. Then Zodiac, the, the flashback ends. And by the way, the flashback is, looks really cool. It's got like the machinery sort of surrounding the panels. It's a really nice visual yeah. element. Classic Giffen kind of, that's what I loved about yeah. Keith, Keith Giffen, that he would just, anything to, to jazz up a layout. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so the flashback ends and uh, Scorpio says, all my plans are ruined now. I must activate the, the Zodiac prematurely before Moon Knight returns with help. Oh, that's why, because Moon Knight's coming back, right. Jack tries to stop him and Scorpio sm- smacks him real good. Scorpio pulls the lever to activate the Zodiac. Meanwhile, we cut away to what was promised as Hellcat's coffee catastrophe. And apparently the catastrophe is she doesn't know how to make coffee. (laughs) It's just like, what is the point of this? You know, it's one panel. She's in the kitchen. The coffee maker is kind of spraying coffee everywhere. And she's going, yikes! And Valkyrie comes in just at that moment to the kitchen and says, is something wrong? I'm just so full of nerves and I can't manage the coffee. Yeah, okay. I do wonder. I, 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 I don't remember if it does, but it almost feels like, oh, is it going to become like a you know, recurring... Oh, a running gag? Gag or something? Well, maybe. Because, <laughs> you know what? If it's a joke and it's just not that funny, please return to it over and over again. <laughs> Like, this just doesn't strike me as particularly interesting at all, but okay, whatever. You know, sometimes they just have to put something in that next issue box. Yeah, <laughs> there was other stuff. Anyway, so they start talking about things, and then suddenly the face of Clea appears um, before them and says that, you know, Moon Knight's awaiting you at the Sanctum Sanctorum. He's coming to get your help. He's got your mail. He's got mail. And I like uh, Hellcat says, sure wish there was time for a shower. I feel grungy from sleeping in this costume, if you know what I mean. And Valkyrie says, yeah, I get it, but we don't have time, so let's go. 
And it's a really cool depiction of Clea's face again. Keith Giffen with the cool visual here. In this case, it's sort of just the features of her face and like the cheeks and chin and forehead and sort of a negative of like you don't see her eyes. Anyway, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it, sometimes effects like this are done with an overlay where you don't even see the black lines. Yes. That's like the color hold thing from a couple of issues ago. Yeah. And then they they say they're going to take off. Meanwhile, we cut away to Moscow, where Tanya Volinsky is returning and being picked up by some representative of the Soviet government who says, we have need of your skills. And really, the KGB needs a, a surgeon? And um, no, we need the Red Guardian. I don't know what you mean. And then that's kind of where we leave it for now. She kind of looks like uh, Miss Kitka in the Batman 66 movie. Yes. I like it. And then we come back to the Zodiac Chamber where the Kirby crackle energy is, is getting even stronger and something's about to happen. But Kirby is like dragging Jack Norris everywhere with him. <laughs> They're beer buddies. Jack's going like, did you ever think this is kind of abnormal, unnatural? A, a diversion of certain basic drives, some kind of substitute for a real human relationship. Are you implying that I'm alienated? Scorpio says, well, you're right. So here we go. The theme is alienation, kids. And that's why he has to manufacture his own Zodiac so they'll understand me and see things my way. And and I'm just going to say this without comment for now. I can't relate to real people. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, he says, I can't relate to real people, but I'm just going to leave that oh, on the table yeah. for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jack's saying, Mike, you need help. What? <laughs> and, and Scorpio's like choking him now. And, and then he starts talking about how like all through his childhood and growing up, he was, he, you know, was in conflict with his brother, which became hatred. And then we cut back to where Nighthawk is still in that thing where he's being held. And he's saying to Nick Fury, come on, quick, while Scorpio's in the other room. And Fury's like, yeah, I'm not letting you out, so forget it. He cuts him off real quick. Okay, and then we get to the Sanctum Sanctorum, or a sidewalk in front of it, I guess. <laughs> and Valkyrie, Hellcat, and Moon Knight are sort of chatting about they're going to do and how we need help and i tell you what we who we really need is the hulk well you know it's kind of like after like your friend kicks you ass like, you're not coming in again so it's like please like, <laughs> you, you can you can meet your friends here but you're meeting them outside <laughs> i know it's really odd it's almost like it's almost like giffen didn't have the space to really do a beautiful shot of you know inside the sanctum right so they decide to go find the hulk and moon knight hails a taxi for some reason to get them there oh because you know aragorn's in doc strange's backyard but he can't carry all three of us i thought moon knight could fly no he can glide yeah glide well okay glide yes meanwhile several several blocks north at central park there's some kind of annual picnic going on and people are running away screaming from it and the hulk is sitting at a picnic table enjoying all the food and grousing about humans and how they're always running away from Hulk and screaming about Hulk and bah, he's sick of it. And then Valkyrie comes up behind him and taps him on the shoulder and says, Hulk, listen to us. We need your help quick. We got to go. And the 
looks like. Yeah, just get out of here. I'm trying to enjoy myself. Where's the beans? Where's the beans? Pass me the beans. And Doctor is trying to explain how we, we you know, you're we're your friends. We need your help. And Hulk says, "That's fine, but um, today I do not wish to be f- bothered by my friends. Please leave me alone." And Hellcat, who I did he? Oh, she did meet him. Yeah, that's right. She did meet him when he was under the power of the Red Raja. Hellcat's like trying to talk him into it too. And Nighthawk's in trouble. And Hulk says, "Oh, that bird knows he's always causing trouble. This time, Hulk doesn't care." Damn. And Moon Knight says, like, maybe we should just get out of here. But Valkyrie says, or, and she kicks Hulk real hard in the back. And Hulk gets kind of pissed at this and jumps up. And now friends will see that Hulk means what he says. So they're basically going to lead him on a merry chase uptown to, or wherever it is, to New Jersey, I guess, to find Nighthawk and Jack. And they they have to like Moon Knight has to throw some, one of his little crescents at Hulk to keep his attention, <laughs> and he oh, calls his little moonerangs. Moonerangs, yes. He calls him Moon Man, which I like. Okay. Hulk has broken water pipes under the street. Hulk hates water, so he has to go through the water to get at them, and he doesn't like getting wet for some reason. I never noticed him not really liking that, but I, you know, they're saying it here. It just seems like a thing to add, you know. Yeah. Something for Hulk not to like. Yeah. Hulk sort of lunges at Hellcat who jumps up over him and springs away. And then they're kind of fighting their way downtown toward, I guess, the Lincoln Tunnel or something so they can get to New Jersey. (laughs) And they're smashing their way through into Times Square. And I want to mention only that, you know, there's a billboard with the Jack of Hearts on it. It just says Jack. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I noticed that. Yeah, it's kind of silly. It's um, it's not very clear or anything. It's right. Just a little. But those who know gag. know. Yeah, exactly. Valkyrie rips a tire off a taxi cab and throws it at Hulk again, just to keep him coming at them. <laughs> right. <laughs> to keep running, and then we cut back to Scorpio headquarters, where. Nick Fury and Scorpio are forcing Jack Norris to do their packing for them so they can get out of there. And Scorpio's explaining that Kyle Richmond's money isn't any good anymore because the Zodiac's already being birthed without the benefits of the extra money that I was going to throw at the project. And <laughs> Scorpio says, once again, I have my brother to blame. If only an effigy. Hmm, I wonder what that means. And then Nick Fury says, well, you designed the death trap, <laughs> you know, because he's blaming all this on Moon Knight escaping as well. Right. Scorpio turns around and smashes his seemingly brother and says, you forget that you represent the one man I hate the most. And Nat Jack says, I don't get it. What do you mean you re- he represents? And Scorpio finally explains, no, he's not really Nick Fury. He's a life model decoyed. So... And just at that moment, the alarm goes off. That's the big reveal. I don't. I don't deal with. Uh, I don't get along well with real people. Oh, I, yeah, you're right. That does tie tie it together, doesn't it? And it also explains how he stole this life model decoy in Nick Fury Agent Field number five, way back when. So the defenders are arriving, and 
Oh no, now we're cutting back to the Lincoln Tunnel. They're coming through the Lincoln Tunnel and the Hulk didn't actually follow through the tunnel. He's waiting on the other side. He must have leaped over it. So he's waiting for the them. And they're realizing like, oh crap, we're going to exit this tunnel and the Hulk's just going to be sitting there waiting for us. And he is. Well, we know he didn't swim. No, he must have leaped over the, the uh, Hudson River. <laughs> That's what I would have done. Anyway, then meanwhile, Moon Knight's, I don't know what this guy, what's what's his deal? Frenchie? Oh, oh, his chauffeur? His chauffeur, thank you. I couldn't remember if he was a chauffeur or what. Anyway, shows up in a helicopter, and the helicopter's got machine guns on it, which he starts shooting at the Hulk, but not hitting the Hulk. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. <laughs> and Hulk's like, hey, I'm waiting for these guys. I can't be bothered with this damn helicopter right mm-hmm. now. But he does leap up there to try to get the helicopter. And then this, this doesn't really make any sense to me, but somehow the three defenders exit the tunnel and run over and get on the um, ladder thing to get up into the helicopter faster than the Hulk can jump to the helicopter. Right. <laughs> so the helicopter is flying away with the three defenders hanging on the rope ladder and the Hulk's like still kind of jumping at them. And Valkyrie's, you know, like has to kind of kick the Hulk away because he's almost getting them and doesn't like it, but still needs him to uh, come along with them. Hulk is yelling, Hulk did not want to fight today, which I thought was kind of <laughs> Hulk should have the opportunity to have a day off from fighting once in a while, if you ask me. Yeah, he's really mad at stupid Moon Man. Yes. So they're flying out over the water, and Hellcat manages to knock him, knock the Hulk loose from the uh, helicopter, where he's hanging onto the, the tail section of the helicopter. He falls off into the Passaic River now, just offshore from Belleville, New Jersey. I mean, they're really in my old stomping grounds here. <laughs> but And the Hulk's like, I'm going to go find them again and smash them real good. He jumps out of the water and approaches the um, warehouse roof where Moon Knight is standing on a skylight and waving frantically, waving him in for a landing. He jumps out of the way. Hulk crashes through the skylight. And then we see that, you know, Scorpio is going to see who the unfortunate interloper is. If Moon Knight has returned, as I suspect, I shall personally make sure he doesn't escape again. Okay. Well, it doesn't turn out to be Moon Knight. It turns out to be the Hulk. Yikes. Yeah, because that Jack Norris is... I guess they're going like, it's not Moon Knight you've trapped, Scorpio. It's the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, that, and that little that little uh, thing is not going to hold him. No. Hulk just comes climbing right out of that tube thing again and going, Hulk, going, Hulk hates puny humans. Yeah, and I love just with the entirely shadowed face. I mean, throughout this last sequence, I mean, the, the illustration of the Hulk is, because it's not a direct copy of anybody's style, but it yeah. kind of meshes... I mean, Steranko did it, that great bit with the Hulk and Captain America where he did used a lot yeah. of him in shadow. And, um, uh, you know, it's got there, – there's elements of Kirby and Trimpy and Severin and just yeah. all the – you know, it's just a kind of – it's just really evocative. Yeah, and a lot of shadow. You're right. And and really a savage look, look to him. Yeah. So last panel of the last page of the issue, big panel where Jack and Scorpio – are standing in front of 
the figures of the new Zodiac. And the only one we can see is, I'm not even sure which one this is supposed to be. I think with awesome. the one we can see, I think is Leo. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because he has sort of a lion mane, but it's dark blue and his like hands and face are like a dark purple. I mean, it's really kind of interesting, but we can't really see who any of the other. Yeah, but it's are. but also very Kirby. It's almost like you know Calabac meets Dark Side. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. He has a symbol on his forehead that's probably the Leo symbol or something. Oh yes, yeah. If you look, yeah. And Hulk is like Hulk has fought Red Man before, but this time Hulk will destroy destroy you all. Next. The one you've waited for, the super spectacular Diz busting. I that Diz. threw me. Yeah, fiftieth issue of the Defenders, a dynamic, no holds barred dose of sheer devastation, featuring the final fate of Scorpio and a fight to the finish, Defenders versus Zodiac, plus special bonus extras. Man, I can't wait. <laughs> it's exciting. Oh, Diz busting is a Blue Oyster Cult reference. <laughs> of course it is. That's fantastic. Seven Screaming Dizbusters was a um, Blue Oyster Cult album. Huh, I don't know that one. I think it's like, it looks like it might be a live album. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Man, many years ago, somebody gave me a lot of CDs, and in it were re-releases of probably six or eight Blue Oyster Cult albums. I think I probably listened to about two of them, and just they didn't do anything for me. So... Oh, I hear you. I mean, I, you know, my 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 good friend Mario from eighth grade was a was. I mean, he he was more into music, and I was more into comics. But we, you know, had areas where we overlapped on those two things. But yeah, his uh-huh. his music taste was just was outside of um, mine, where he really liked that kind of anthem arena, different type of rock that was not you know not just you know. I mean, don't fear the reaper is is an amazing song. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't think anybody oh, God, yes. can not like that song, but the other stuff, I just never, you know, even once all the references started in Defenders, of course, I wanted to go back and, you know, uh-huh. I think I bought, I think I went to the store and bought Agents of Fortune when that phrase shows up in Defenders in ever, oh, yeah. however many issues. There's a bunch of stuff in Defenders coming up for sure. Yeah. But I always lumped them in with like sticks. Like they had some good songs to me anyway. Yeah. But I didn't. Didn't really get into it beyond that. Yeah, and that is that kind of slightly arty, you know, I mean, I guess was was that art rock more? Yeah, it was like on the edge of it, you know? You know, like I like Queen, but, you know, Queen had, I don't know, it's like weird. Everyone's got their own different lines, but I know Queen was one of the things that we we overlapped on, but, you know, I was still more the Beatles guitar group kind of guy. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, The letters page. Yes. Features a couple, you know, normal letters, but it in- includes about fifteen or so one-line responses to the end of the Elf Saga. <laughs> um, and one of them is um, is from our our dear uh, Marvel expert. What would you call him? Is he like the historian? Historian of Marvel, uh, Peter Sanderson, yeah. who who wrote. Apparently, you'll think we'll be satisfied with this poor excuse for an ending wrong and he never read another <laughs> marvel comic after that <laughs> it does sound like peter 
I'd that's, be curious. He that that would be an, you know I, I was almost tempted to because I, I I think I've never I don't think I've met him personally that we have like a lot of overlap but we became I mean probably through some of the knowing some of the same people we became Facebook friends sure um, and I've asked him a couple things here and there because he is such a Marvel expert and I'd almost, I'd be curious to you know to 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 find out what he thinks about the elf so many years later yeah that's a great question uh huh. I haven't seen Peter in a few years, but I am friendly with him when I see him, of course. Because he used to write, you know, articles for Marvel Age back when I was an assistant editor, and um, he was friends with a lot of the same people I was friends with. Well, yeah, did he? He did Marvel Age, yeah. Oh yeah, he was an early writer on Marvel Age before I started working on it. But that's that's kind of cool. I mean, we're yeah. we're at an interesting point. There's a. Um... I mean, it's kind of a giveaway, but there, 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 that last panel has has a, I, and I don't know if it's a clue that I, I I noticed it this time, but a really, I'll leave it as a cliffhanger to talk about next time. But the, the, that last panel of uh, 49 has a really big clue about important plot twists in the next Really? Issue. Yeah. Now I'm looking at it going, what could, what? All right. Well, as you say, it was sort of, you sort of, when you were talking about Leo, it's sort of what you don't see. I'll put it that way. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Well, anything else to say before we wrap it up? In the parlance of the writers, wrap it up. <laughs> Where, what, wait, what was that just in? Oh, that was from that uh, Michael O'Donoghue, How to Write Good. Oh, in the, oh, in the parlance. Oh, that, oh right. I, I, I just heard it. You're right. I just heard it today. How about that? I thought it was something yeah. I, I, I saw on it was, show last night. I just thought it was so funny that he said, you know, that writer, you know, novice writers might not know how to end a story or in the parlance of all writers wrap it up yeah <laughs> so, no, anyway. it's, yeah that, that 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 style of, of of comedy was always you know and again that was that's what was going on at the time because they were playing yeah. i mean it's what led to steve martin in saturday night live obviously michael o'donoghue was central to the origins of saturday night live and it was that that we know we're making comedy we're yes playing, it's, it's you know self-aware yeah 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 exactly all right well until next time Defenders Dissemble. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a review. Please rate us and tell your friends and subscribe and do all those good things. And we will see you again next time. Superhero. They're the latest. They're the greatest. Ultimate superhero.